From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents Danny Flicka and his weekly spot, the football side of things. The national semifinals did not live up to their hype. <coughs> Excuse me, Danny. Um, but hopefully the NFL does. It's week 17. Uh, good morning, Danny. Morning. Um, I want to get this out of the way early. Um, and I hate that I have to bring this up, but I have to bring this up. Um, as you probably saw on social media the other day, may have been yesterday or the day before, is the fifth anniversary of the boat picture for the Giants. You're a Giants fan. They are 22-57 and 57 since that picture was taken. The worst record in the National Football League over that stretch. Um, when I bring that up to you, what's your immediate reaction? Um, I think it's easy for people to relate you know, a stretch of losing or winning to certain instances in, in time. I think you can, you know, create your own narrative around a lot of different things. You know, it's, it's like funny when they say the stats, like, you know, so-and-so is 5-0 and oh when, you know, the weather's under 40 degrees. Well, what's his record when it's like 45 degrees and so forth and so on, right? Yeah. Uh, so you just can pick any arbitrary point in time um, and decipher what a record could be or a stat could be. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away from the ineptitude of what they are, because they are inept, they are inept and they have been inept for a very long time. And I think you and I talked about this last week. Um, it goes well before that. Um, you know, it went to the year before, when they had Tom Coughlin, and they let him go and did a clean house. So I, I understand that it's a pretty narrative and clickbait to say it's a boat pitcher, um, but, the, the, you know, the disease of that team started way before that. So, um, you know, I, I think it's important to understand that the Giants, you know, that boat picture is, is awful and it makes it its way around social media this time of year for the last five years. Um, but they're... Their ineptitude as a franchise and decision making has started started way before that picture was taken. Danny Flecko with us here on teeing it up. Um, this is fantasy football championship day for a lot of people, and a lot of people are riding high on the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz did get his medical clearance this morning, and one of the reasons uh, just just to let folks behind the scenes, Danny and I debated doing this on New Year's Eve, and I'm like, hold on, let's let's see what happens here in terms of COVID. Literally two hours after we make that uh, meditorial decision, Kirk Cousins tests uh, test positive for COVID. <laughs> so, um, not that I'm trying to brag here, but this has been such a, a changing situation that I think waiting was the right call. When you look at Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, when he rushes over 100 yards, they are undefeated. When he doesn't rush under 100 yards, they are winless. Um, this season speaks to the um, arbitrary nature of said stat that I brought up, that, that you brought up momentarily. But he has passed the cardiovascular test. He has gotten out of the protocols. As you look at it right now, he's, he has not practiced with this team once. He has been totally separate from them. He's been working on this game plan in his backyard. He's been working on this game plan over Zoom. If you're a fantasy football player in Week 17, are you starting Carson Wentz today? It's tough. Um, I think I wouldn't 
just because I think it's going to be a very run-heavy script, even if he didn't test positive for COVID. Uh, I think the, the Raiders come in very decimated today. A lot of their top linebackers are on the COVID list. Their secondary is a little beat up, too. But, you know, the game plan for um, for Indianapolis has been to run the ball, and that's why they've been so hot. And if you look at even Carson Wentz, and his stats the last couple of weeks, he hasn't really been putting up stats that are going to carry you to a, a championship uh, you know, in fantasy football. I'm just looking at his stuff right now. This is odd because I'm usually not in front of my computer when I talk to you, but the last game that he threw for multiple touchdowns, I mean, the last game he threw for over 300 yards was against the Bucks, and now it's because they were trailing the entire game, um, and he only had... You know, two games here with uh, over two touchdown passes. So it's been a very, very methodical type of approach for them uh, the last couple of weeks. And I get the matchup, but there's definitely some other players out there that you can look at from a quarterback perspective. You know, Tyler Huntley um, looks to be getting the start today for the Ravens. They should be in a pass-heavy script today. Trey Lance offers some intriguing upside. Um, you know, in that game against Houston, I, I do imagine that they're going to, you know, utilize the legs a little bit to so offer some rushing value there. Even someone like Davis Mills, who not a lot of people have talked about, but he has been actually really, really um, good. Yeah, <laughs> for the Texans, yeah. You know, his last three games, he's thrown for an average of at least 250 yards. He has five touchdown passes, one interception over that time, and um, those are against some pretty decent defenses, like the Chargers and the Seahawks. So um, I do imagine they're going to throw the ball a lot in that game, too, against San Fran. So, you know, I, I think there's some better options out there um, than Carson Wentz. You know, he's been solid this year, not turning the ball over, but I do think today it's a Jonathan Taylor heavy game. Um, they want to ensure the win for them this week because I think if they win this week, um, then next week they're, they're in the playoffs regardless, and then they, I guess it depends on um, if they get the, you know, the AFC South crown or not. You know, you, you brought up David Mills, and, and I think one of the beauties, I think, of why he succeeded is that he doesn't think he's the long-term solution. Houston doesn't think he's the long-term solution. There are no expectations around this Texans offense, and I think that's why they've been able to be effective recently is he's just thinking this is an audition. I'm just auditioning, you know, for some NFL team to sign me. And I, I actually think it's the opposite. Really? I think they've given him the opportunity to say, hey, this could be your job. You know, there's not a strong quarterback class coming out in the draft this year. I also think a very underrated person they have on their staff there is Josh McCown. Um, mm. He's, you know, a veteran mind been in the NFL, was bounced around for time, you know, for the number of years he was in the NFL. But he was always a solid, you know, guy. Um, he's always somebody that you wanted on your team from, you know, what, what people would say about him. So I think it's the opposite. I think that they said, hey, man, like, we're not going to, we're not looking to, to do anything drastic maybe in the future. You know, Deshaun Watson is definitely not going to be here. This could be your team and we could, you know, build some some drafts around you and and see what happens. Um, I, I think it's actually the opposite with him, to be honest. And I think Josh McCown has done a really good job of, of helping him out. Definitely has. And the Jets quarterback spoke so highly of him when, when he was on their roster um, over the years. 
Um, I want to look at this from a gambling perspective uh, for a second. We, we, we have a bunch of games here that involve seeding or desperation. So you have Arizona-Dallas, for example. Both of these teams we're going to be seeing shortly in the playoffs. Dallas is a six-and-a-half-point favorite with this new format. Uh, you know, For the folks out there who may have forgotten, getting that number one seed, only one team getting a bye per conference is a huge deal. You look at, um, I had it up momentarily, and I, I missed the place. Six and a half point Rams over the Ravens. You talked about no Lamar Jackson. You look at, um, where's that Miami Tech, uh, 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 Tennessee game? Three point Tennessee favorite. Chiefs Bengals, uh, a three and a half Kansas City line. There's some, there's there's the actual football, and then there's the betting aspect of this. When it comes to, and this isn't a, 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 a Tampa Jet scenario, that just let me look at what that line is. That line's a 14-point Tampa favorite. That one makes sense to me. Are there any lines that involve playoff-bound teams facing either desperation teams or seeding teams that you say, hold on a second, I got to stay away from this, or wow, I actually like this really much? Uh, where's your head at on that? Yeah, I think it's, a lot of what you're seeing now is is the market moving. Um, you know, I'm looking at the spreads right now. Indy opened up at six and a half. They're up to minus eight now. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the Carson Wentz news coming in that people are comfortable taking Indy as a touchdown plus favorite. Um, I'm looking at Philadelphia. They opened up at three and a half. They're all the way up to six now against Washington. That's a lot of movement uh, on a spread. We usually don't that big of a spike. Yeah. In a, in a spread. You know, LA, Baltimore also opened up three and a half, now six and a half. Um, and Denver, Denver, LA, another sneaky playoff matchup that no one's talking about, opened up at, I think it was five and a half, now up to eight. And then you mentioned Dallas Cowboys and Cardinals, now up to six and a half. I think that opened up at five. So I think it's. A lot. What you're seeing here is that people are hammering the teams that have the opportunity today to really solidify their opportunity to make the playoffs. The money's coming in. Maybe it's a lot of public bets. Maybe it's a lot of you know sharps taking people taking uh, bets at a certain number that they think they can take advantage of. But I think what we're seeing is, is a very is it just moving towards those teams that have the opportunity to lock things up and then take their foot off the gas for week 18. So it's a little bit of something to be wary about, you know, when the inflation comes in like that. But some of these teams, um, you know, I would be worried to take it as like such a high favorite. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, I imagine Washington's going to try one more time here before the season is over to win that, to win a game. And I also think Dallas is in, a, is in a tricky spot. You know, you're playing a really desperate Arizona team this week, and they've not looked great. But at the same time, they do have, I think, a playmaker, a quarterback that can make things interesting in that game. So I just be wary about following the line movement. Sometimes when the movement goes like this, you should be going the opposite way. I'm curious, what was, and apologies if you said it momentarily, uh, 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 moments ago and I missed it, what was the Packer line open and then post-Kirk Cousins news? Where is that line now? Uh, it opened at 6, 6.5, six depending on your book, and it's at minus 13 right now. Jeez, okay. So here's, 
And, and that one makes sense. Um, and I imagine the Packers are going to destroy them. But at the same time, the Packers just need to get a lead and then kind of maybe take their foot off the gas. Who knows? But that's not a game I have on my radar this week just because that, that's a lot of points. And I, I don't think you know, that, there are other games I'd rather be taking today than that one. I want to stay on this game, but now from a football sense. Aaron Rodgers said some very interesting things uh, last week after the win. He's, he's, he's enjoying his time. He's enjoying his teammates. He's enjoying the, the conversations with the front office. He seems like a guy who was going to divorce the girl um, and now right before like the prom is trying to get back with her they are back together and now it's trying to solidify that in the marriage. Um, (laughs) I have no idea if that analogy made sense, but I I hope it did. Uh, Where do you think Aaron Rodgers is in his decision-making for the off season? Because I think you look at Sunday night football and Monday night football, Ben Roethlisberger knows this is the end. He's, he said as much this week. I think Aaron Rodgers has now a legitimate shot to come back to Green Bay unless I'm being fooled, hook, line, sinker. Yeah, I, I think, we, you know, we talked about this last spring with him. Um, I never thought he was going anywhere else, to be honest with you, and I really don't see him going anywhere else. You know, they can rip up that contract to give him something new that he wants this offseason. I think you probably want to see what happens. You know, there's a possibility they win the Super Bowl and he's like I'm done, I'm hanging it up, I've done everything I can right now Um, I want to enjoy my time a little bit, but maybe there's a competitive drive in him that we don't really see, and he's now looking and saying, you know, I can catch some people in front of me for certain records, certain things, etc. I do think that if he's going to, if he plays next year it's going to be in, uh, in Green Bay um I just don't see any other option for him. You have to blow them away, I think. And he just keeps increasing his value every single time he steps on the field because he is right now going to be potentially a back-to-back MVP uh, winner. So if you're any team like, you know, I've seen the Broncos, the Browns, like, you know, those types of teams thrown out there to get him, you're going to have to give up a ransom to get him. And I don't know if those are going to be good situations for him to go to. So... We'll see what happens with him, but I just don't see him playing anywhere else. How do you see the, the let's try this again, Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. How do you see the AFC North situation panning out? Because this is a gigantic you know, moment for Joe Burrow. Yet, as, you, as I think it was you that pointed out to me, he's done all this work against one team, the Baltimore Ravens. His stats against everybody else are, are way less impressive. Yeah, it's an interesting game today. Uh, I, I think it comes down to next week, to be honest with you. I think Cleveland gets a win in in, um, in Pittsburgh next week. I, I just think it's, they're just a better team right now. Ben Roethlisberger, I just can't trust him at this point in his career to, to carry a team. To, to win, I think let me just pull up the standings here because I, I do think it's a very interesting division because there is a very good chance next week we could see, depending on how things shake out that each of those games matters for something, so you look at it right now 
what, Tennessee's nine and six, Baltimore's eight and seven, Pittsburgh seven, seven and one, Cleveland is seven and eight. Let's say, you know, since he loses today, which is a very realistic possibility, goes to nine seven. Baltimore loses their eight and eight, but they're pretty much out because, you know, Cincinnati would hold the tiebreaker against them. Let's say, um, you know, let's say that you know Pittsburgh wins uh, on on Monday. Then um, they're out too, right? Because I think they lost both games against Cincinnati. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I guess the only option right now for the AFC North for it to be somewhat of a, a competitive end, it would be that Cleveland wins tomorrow. Um, and if Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland wins tomorrow. That puts them at eight and eight, and that's a do or die game against Cincinnati because then they would hold the, the tiebreaker um, against Cincinnati because they would have beaten them twice. Because um, right now, Cincinnati's four and one in the division. Cleveland is two and two. Two more wins against the division would put them at four and two, and would give them the opportunity to win that division. So. Yeah, unless Cleveland wins tomorrow, you know, the AFC North would be Cincinnati's, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And Cincinnati wins today, obviously, all that is done and out the window, but, you know, there's a re- very realistic shot that Cleveland is looking at right now two playing games for the playoffs, and we'll see what happens with that. You know, one of the things that I find interesting about the way this league is and the way that um, that we're sitting here is that you never quite know what um, what unintended consequences can happen from various moves. And you extend the season, and lo and behold, Derek Henry may be coming back. You and I both thought this was season-ending, or at least I did. It was reported as being a season-ending knee injury, uh, uh, sorry, foot injury, and now it's not so fast, my friend. He may come back next week and and in the, and 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 in the playoffs. And you look at this Titans team that's been able to stay afloat without Derrick Henry. I just wonder after that major of an injury, what you can expect out of Derrick Henry? Because I think that that these games are vital for Tennessee to try to get as high a seating they as they possibly can. Because I have no idea what they're going to have running game wise once we end up in the playoffs. Yeah, I think getting him back in any sort of capacity changes the dynamic of that team. I think if he's playing next week, it's to see what his workload could be. Um, I don't think they're going to feature him because you definitely want to make sure he, he doesn't you know, re-aggravate what he has going on um, from an injury standpoint. But if he's back next week and... You're the, the Titans. You'll take that, right? You, you need him in there, and it, it changes things dramatically for them. So if he's back and they get some run out of him, it changes the entire dynamic of what that team's going to look like heading into the playoffs. So he's been out now, what, since October? So three months? Um, it's a long time to be away. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I do think it's an interesting situation that they find themselves in because part of me thinks, you know, when, when the, we see these types of players come back from injuries, it usually doesn't end well uh, just because, you know, they're not meant to come back this soon. And we saw what happened with, um, you know, 
Russell Wilson when he tried to, to come back. And even going back to like last year, you saw Jalen Waddell and his national championship game, what he looked like um, coming back a little bit early. And I get the motivation and I understand the willingness of these players to do so. But if Derrick Henry is anything less than 100%, he, he actually is a detriment to what they want to do. So we'll see if they get some, some run out there. I mean, we saw the, the Rams activate Cam Akers um, off a torn Achilles five months after that. So I, I guess med- modern medicine right now is in a spot that, that we just can't comprehend. And what's crazy is that Adam Schefter, when he first reported that, said that that was for pension reasons to get him three games played to accrue service time. Makes it sound like like we're talking baseball here, but this is football. It's got something to do with financial pension. But they still viewed him as a playoff team and now, uh, sorry, a, a playoff player. And now we're talking about him possibly for Week 18, even though I think Sean McVay said yesterday, if I saw it correctly, that he's leaning more towards... The playoffs for Cam, it, it, it really is remarkable um, where, where we are in this recovery um, with Cam Akers. Um, Adam Schefter reported this morning, uh, and, and this isn't a big surprise, that you know these could be the last two games for Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll alongside each other. I don't know what to read out of Russell Wilson. I, I don't know what Russ wants. I don't know if he wants to keep playing. I don't know if he wants to go somewhere. I'm just confused. Um, because while the Seattle team is underperformed, I don't know if it's enough to get a coach fired. So where's your head at when it comes to Russ and Pete Carroll? I, I think Carroll might be gone. I think he's been there for a long time. I think maybe the game's passed him a little bit. I don't know if he maybe relates to these players on this team like he used to, and that's fine. He, he had a great run in Seattle um, over the last, what has it been now, 12 years. Um, did a really, really good job there. Had very, very unique teams that um, were perennial, you know, uh, contenders for, for NFC championships and, and Super Bowls, you maybe come out of that thinking maybe they should have done a little bit more and gotten a little bit more and won a little bit more. Um, but, you know, he did a really, really good job there, and I think it's just time maybe that they have something a little bit different. Russell Wilson is somebody that I know I've seen, like, talk about coming to New York. I personally don't want him in New York. Uh, I'll take my chances with Danny, Danny Dimes. I know people might think I'm crazy, but I've never liked his vibe. I, I I think he's also a little bit overrated in what he brings to the table. Uh, he's complained and, and moaned about not having an offensive line and not having input into what is going on. I don't think he'd get that in New York either. You know, their offensive line stinks, and I don't think that they're really a coaching staff that's going to change their entire operation for one player. Uh, especially coming from a Bill Belichick, you know, tree. I just don't see that happening. Um, so I don't know what Russell Wilson's plan is or, or what his motivations are to get out of Seattle. A lot of people might point to, you know, his marital situation as one of the reasons why uh, he wants to get out of Seattle. But I don't think New York is an op- is the best opportunity for him. I think if I were him, I would probably want to be looking at a team like Miami or even, 
say the Raiders, depending on which direction they go, but I don't know if I want to see him wearing New York, a New York Giants uniform next year. I think he still has his best opportunity in Seattle, given the structure they have there from the top down, um, the way they've competed. You know, a, a lot of what happened this year with them is, is due to, you know, poor management in game and an injury to him. Um, if his injury doesn't happen, who knows where Seattle is right now. He also did a really bad thing of coming back from the injury way too early and, and sort of hamstringing them. You know, when they came back, they lost three games in a row. Um, and maybe some of those games were a little bit winnable for them too. But, um, you know, you, you look at some of the ways they've lost games this year, and I think a lot of that falls on the coach and the, the management of the game um, and, and how they've been able to, to do that. And I think that's where Pete Carroll needs to go because he just has been really bad at in-game management the last couple of years. So on that note, Danny Fluck, is there anything else that you want to say before we launch into Week 17 in the National Football League? Um... I think it's a very interesting week. Uh, I think the Cincinnati-Kansas City game is a game I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, I think Miami-Tennessee will be a lot of fun, too. Uh, big, big implications there. And then I also think that, you know, I mentioned Denver-LA. Um, Denver's undermanned going into LA. You know, how do the Chargers bounce back? There's an opportunity to still fight for the playoffs. And how does Arizona respond to the last month of the season? The last month they've had, they come out and, and play tough, or do they, you know, bend over and let Dallas take advantage of them? Um, yeah, I, I think there's some. Those are the four games this week that I, I'm keeping my eyes on, and obviously Cleveland Pittsburgh tomorrow night will be a very, very intriguing game. If all the reports about Ben Roethlisberger are true, you know, how does that team come out and play? Um, will they? You know, be motivated knowing that potentially they they don't have a shot at the playoffs. So we'll see. I, I think those the four games today, though, that I mentioned are really exciting games. I'm looking forward to watching. And we shall see how they play out. And we'll talk about it next week. Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on teeing it up. No problem, my man. Have a great rest of the day. You got it, and same to all of you out there as well. <laughs>